Tall Tales, the true crime podcast where I, Kat, or my co-host, Jacqueline, will tell you two stories about heinous crimes. One is true, the other, not so much. How you doing, Jack? I'm good. It's a Saturday, so I worked a short day, listened to Harry Styles while putting my toes in the balcony, so I can't really complain, can I? Nice. We love it. We love it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a Saturday. Saturday night. <laughs> and what are we doing? Recording a podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. How are you doing, darling? I'm doing pretty good. No complaints right now. You know, I went and saw the Barbie movie premiere last night. Oh. Um, didn't expect to have an existential crisis at the Barbie premiere, but you know, but it was great. You know, I got to both judge a costume contest and then my work, which was hosting the premiere, did a staff costume contest and I won. No one could recognize me just for your knowledge, because this is a audio based podcast. I'm very goth and I work with with go- other goth people, but goths fucking love Barbie. <laughs> um, but they didn't expect um me who has black hair, piercings, tattoos, wears all black to come in with a blonde wig on and a very pink tropical dress on. My coworkers did not recognize me at first. They were like, who is this stranger sitting at the judges table? That was fun. That was really exciting. And yeah, now we're going to be hosting another cool event that's fantasy themed. Amazing. I, I work with a bunch of nerds, okay? My <laughs> life is great. <laughs> I am a nerd and I work with nerds. It's the best. Fantastic. Oh, piggybacking off of your little story. This was weeks ago. Oh, weeks ago. But I meant to bring it up on the podcast, and we record these so out of order, so don't judge me. I had gone out with a friend, and we were specifically going to a bar that was known to, like, have good dance music and, like, have people on the dance floor. The dancing was kind of a bust, but the night worked out anyway. But I'm like, I can't help but feel like no one's dancing because there's a true crime documentary (laughs) on behind the bar. What bar is putting on a true crime documentary? I mean, it's a bar I'd want to go to. Right, but... (laughs) It defeats the point of us dancing, getting thirsty, and buying more drinks. Right, I'm like, I know our whole point was for us to dance tonight, but you literally couldn't pull me away from this bar because baseball's on and then a true crime documentary is on. I'm like, those are your two halves. I'm like, <laughs> I'm very conflicted. I put on the nice outfit, but now I just want to watch whatever's happening. I just want to watch the sports ball in the true crime documentary. I'm like, I'm like but like, literally, the whatever show it was, they're literally showing them the reenactment of them pulling a body out of the ground. Ooh, and I'm like, they had reenactments? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I, I forget the name of the show, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. But I'm also like, this is not how you get women to loosen up. This is how you get women to hold their drink a little clut tighter. <laughs> yeah. I feel like having a true crime documentary in a bar is probably not good for business. I think that's only good for business if your bar is a niche bar where people go to get that. Yeah. I don't think it's something just your run-of-the-mill dive bar like, or like dance. Like, if we, if we opened up a bar. Oh, yeah. If we opened up a bar, it would be disastrous. It would be. It would be an absolute disaster. So let's not go into that business. <laughs> no, no, we shouldn't. But our own line of wine. Oh, I would love that. So I'm just brainstorming over here. You and I are constantly thinking about different um, business gigs that we can do together. The as podcast is a start. As if either of us, like, got business degrees. <laughs> no, we all we both got arts degrees, and look where we are. <laughs> Moving on, we're getting a little too silly. We're getting a little too silly for our true crime podcast. Oh, uh, let us remember the tone. <laughs> the tone. Death. So let's, let's rein it back in, and, like, get comfy, so we can get uncomfy. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up some 
tough topics. <laughs> Of course. So today's topic, as you can probably tell from the title of this, this episode that you clicked on, is high seas homicide. More in particular, cruise ship deaths and disappearances. I am particularly excited about this because I requested it. I know, you requested it, which makes my life so much easier because then all I have to do is cater to you. (laughs) Right, I currently, before we even record this, have what some might call an irrational fear of going on a cruise ship. And um, my boss, Maggie, who listens to the podcast, is going to hate this because she just booked a cruise ship with her mom. Okay. Well, I, I have some I have some things to say about that. Okay. So. <laughs> so before we go on yet another tangent, get comfy, grab a blanket, or if you're doing something, get as comfy as you can. If you're driving, take your shoes off. I don't give a shit. That might be illegal. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> I take one off in particular. There you go. So let's get into it. All right. So many of us have considered a cruise a delightful vacation idea. Touring through the Caribbean or another foreign sea, the ocean rocking you to sleep at night, and island breezes cooling you down in the daytime. It's an absolute dream. If you like that sort of thing and you don't get seasick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, your, um, it's a nightmare if you get seasick. I certainly want to go on a cruise one day, if people will go with me. But if you're Jack... <laughs> Or one of the people in our stories today, this dream vacation may just be your worst nightmare. To meet one's end at sea when one's only desire was to have fun and frolic is really the worst way to end a vacation. I'd say so. Especially if your death was violent and against your will. Between 2007 and 2021, there have been 32 recorded cases of homicide, suspicious death, or missing persons aboard cruise ships. That doesn't help with my fear. It's 14 years, 32 cases, so that's spread out. But (laughs) I like to see the statistics per um, cruise ship line and how many per year. (laughs) I did not research that deeply. No, 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 that's fine. That is my type A coming out. Yeah. Um, I will numbers my way into getting on a cruise ship or I'll numbers my way out. (laughs) Um, So that statistic makes it markedly clear that this is a more prevalent issue than we would hope. Though, as a comfort, most cases, it would seem, are committed by people who knew the victim. So, so be careful who you go with. So, whoever you're going with on a cruise, make sure you trust them implicitly. Never mind. I don't even want to implicate us in the hypothetical where we go on a cruise if one of us dies. Uh, We're just going to leave that alone. Oh, yeah, no, I'm so sorry. You can trust me, I won't kill you. Exactly what a killer would say. (laughs) (laughs) And trust me, I won't kill you. Ever. (laughs) That's what your bad hinge date says. Oh my god! (laughs) From the killer's perspective, the hypothetical idea of getting rid of a body at sea may seem enticing. Because, you know, you're miles from shore, and you can easily get rid of the body, and the ship is traveling. Hypothetically, it could mean, oh no, if they don't report that person missing. I mean, it's also, like, international waters jurisdiction is murky. No, actually. No, no. Is that a lie I'm telling myself and others? It it really is, so hopefully this gives you some comfort. So (laughs) you would think that it would be easy disposal and the safety of international waters, right? I put that, I wrote that for you. You knew I would say it. (laughs) I knew you would say it. (laughs) But in cases like these, the cruise ship will actually follow the same laws as the country that the ship is registered to. And it's also up to the captain's discretion. So... They'll like if the if the cruise ship is like registered to the United States, mm-hmm. they'll follow things by United States law, and also seek help from the local law enforcement until, lo- like 
United States law enforcement agencies can be called in, um, and vice versa if it is from a different country. Like, I'm thinking of, this is going to mean that I'll never be able to cover this topic in the future, but, like, there's an episode of Bones where <laughs> where there's a murder on a plane, and until oh. they touch down, and, like, they're going from the United States to China, until they touch down on Chinese soil, it is a United States-based case. So they really had, like, a time crunch like, oh. for hours to solve, like, the case within that span. That is a TV show, and I don't know actually how those rules work, but I'm imagining it's something similar. I imagine that may have been, like, a little bit of a rip-from-the-headlines kind of yeah. logic behind that. Yeah. If caught for such a crime as murder, you will likely be detained on the ship in a separate room until the ship reaches the next port, wherein local law enforcement will become involved. But what about the many unsolved cases? This does little to alleviate one's peace of mind about a cruise ship vacation. <laughs> um, if, like, you know, someone just gets away with it. It's baffling how someone can get away with such a thing when there's nowhere to go on a confined ship and possibly just skipping town in the next port if the body is not reported or found in, like, a timely fashion. It becomes a really scary case of no body, no crime, you know? Our favorite subject. <laughs> so before we get into our cases, do you want some more facts that will make you want to go on a cruise less? Yes! I mean. <laughs> so when a passenger dies on a ship, and this isn't just about, like, murder, this is about, like, if someone has a heart attack, any death on a, on a okay. cruise ship, maybe it's a comfort to know that most cruise ships are equipped with small morgues, <laughs> or not a comfort to know. <laughs> For me, that's a comfort. <laughs> That sends me. That just like <laughs> I I I shall I have no comment. Okay. <laughs> I'll continue then. Usually they can only like carry like like the morgue is small. Like it can hold like three bodies. Some larger cruise liners can handle like a bit more. There's also a brig, typically, for those under suspicion of any crime aboard. So like if you're caught thieving it's, it's boat jail? Boat jail. We got boat jail. <laughs> Um, the bodies, or body, stored in the morgue will be stored there until the ship reaches an appropriate port where the body can be disembarked. So some ports might not be able to handle a body, like, in an appropriate way where they would have, like, the means to, you know, either get it to the families or to authorities. For lack of a better word, ship it back to where it needs to be. Right, right. So in those cases, either if the next stop isn't a port that could be able to do such a thing, the cruise ship might skip that port entirely and usually they will be disembarked they keep using that term i think it's like an official boat term you know how things change when you're on a boat a nautical term commandeer we're going to commandeer that ship nautical term we're not going to steal it we're going to commandeer it different um we're going to disembark the body instead of remove it okay they'll usually do it in the early early morning as to not traumatize guests they want like it's it's crowd control at this point listen and my understanding is a cruise ship is smoke and mirrors. The guests are to know nothing of what happens behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like Disney. It's like Disney. Just more concentrated, even though fucking cruise ships are fucking massive. Like, the big ones? Oh, I never want to go on a big one. If I ever go on a cruise, it's going to be a little teeny tiny thing. I just want to be on a boat. This is also, like, when the body is disembarked, this is also the point where if foul play is suggested, the local authorities will be called in to attend. And, as I said earlier... If the ship is registered to, like, its country of origin, if it's the United States, the FBI will be called in to investigate. 
alongside local authorities or whatever for whatever port they are in. Meanwhile, if the ship is registered to a different country, the respective authorities will be called in the same way. After investigation, the body will be flown home. So you know how I mentioned those mor- morgues earlier? Yes. Um, do you want me to make you a little bit uncomfortable with a rumor? I'm already uncomfortable, <laughs> okay. yes. Okay, so there is a rumor with very little evidence backing it up that they lovingly call in this industry the ice cream rumor. That wherein if there are too many bodies on board and they're in need of more storage, the ship will clear the ice cream freezer as a temporary morgue and give out all of that displaced ice cream to guests for free. So so if you're on a cruise so, and there's a surprise ice cream night, you know too many people to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, if you guys That's go... horrific. <laughs> like, please, if any of you guys go on a cruise and they give out a gratuitous amount of free ice cream... Get back to us and do some sleuthing and figure that shit out for us, please and thank you. <laughs> I would like to know. Right, please then, if, I don't know if cruise ships maybe do like a wrap-up report that they have to submit, let us know how many deaths there were. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um, so like with any death, you know, land or sea, the first thing that happens, um, with any surprising death is that the family is contacted. This is why they ask you to fill out emergency contact forms. Cruise ship members are trained to respond and deal with many kinds of situations, death included, so maybe that gives you a little bit of comfort. There are actually also special codes, more or less standardized between different cruise ship lines, that cruise ship staff can use over the intercoms that mean different things, such as being able to discreetly let others know what's happening without worrying any guests. So, like, you could hear over the intercom, like, some random phrase and not have a clue what's going on, and it's it's meaning anything. It can be anything from, like, medical emergencies to some kid got sick in the pool. <laughs> um, someone's gotta come clean that <laughs> someone's up. Someone's gotta clean that up. Do you want to know some of the codes? Yes. I got two for you. Okay. So the code for, and I'm going to ruin this for anyone, so um, if you guys don't want to hear these codes so you can be blissfully unaware if any of these happen, skip like the next, give it 10 seconds, I'll give a pause. So the code for a serious medical emergency is Operation Bright Star. And the code for death is Operation Rising Star. So what I'm hearing is if you hear any stars coming over the intercom, Maybe we just go back to your room. Just just ignore it and just continue on. Don't worry about it. So, if you're planning on going on a cruise, despite our not-so-fun facts, heed my warning. Get travel insurance. I know this sounds like an ad. And also, I think the site that gave me this information is, like, a travel insurance company. Oh my god, is it... But like it's it, gave, targeted it gave me good statistics. So what am I to do? This is not a paid ad, but you don't want to be caught in like a hairy situation and not be able to pay your way back home. Like let's say you or somebody had like a stroke or a heart attack as like a medical emergency and had to be hospitalized in a foreign place. Like say you were like in like the Bahamas or something, but they weren't equipped to deal with your medical emergency as well as a United States hospital would. You would have to be flown back to the United States. But if you don't have travel insurance, you'd have to pay for all of that in the medi- like, flight back, out of pocket. So, whether you live or die through the excursion, an unexpected situation like this could really hurt you or your family financially severely. So, like, get travel insurance. But before we get into our cases, let's break open some wine from the thing that Jack got me 
seven months ago. <laughs> I was like, for those of you who are new here, we have an advent calendar. It's drastically outdated. Um, We've been using it for podcast episode things. It's like these little mini wine advent calendar, but we haven't been using it for... In the name of Christ, we've been using it in the name of our podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So our surprise bottle tonight is Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. It's I, a red I, for you. I love red wine. It tastes like a semi-dry. Kind of like right down, it's kind of the right down the road and everything. Like the flavor's not particularly light or bold. It's not particularly sweet or dry. It's smooth. Hmm. And it has some earth tones. Nice. You're like a bonafide sommelier. No. Oh, I like that. It kind of bites you in the back, but it's good. Oh, a little acidity? A little acidity in the back of my mouth, but very good. Almost very, very sweet and floral in the front. That's the exact opposite of what I said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I said down the middle and earthy, and you said acidic in the back, floral in the front. <laughs> well, there is an earthiness to it. It's like flowers in, in the dirt. Anyway, thanks for sticking around for our little wine bit. What are we going to do when we get run out of these bottles? Um, people will be less annoyed. <laughs> You're so right. So, let's get into our cases. All right. All right. So, story one is don't travel alone. Or what I do all the time. <laughs> exactly. So, this is just good good advice, you know? Um, I don't, like, this is why I'm, like, so desperate. Like, I want to go on a cruise, but I don't want to travel alone. This case is why. Oh, I would never recommend you do it alone. If I was unwilling to go with you, I would make you take someone else. <laughs> I know. You know, when I was researching this, this I... is why you need a husband. <laughs> Any taker? <laughs> when I was researching this, I actually like sent out because I already knew the answer from you guys. Oh, God. I sent out in my idiots group chat to see if anyone would go on a cruise with me, and I went, not right now. Just ever. And literally, like, Sam was like, I get seasick. Um, I'm Is it like, Sam in the Coast Guard? She wanted to be. Oh. <laughs> but she got seasick, so now You that, know, that seems that, like a natural conclusion that, that she's killed, not. That killed that dream for her. So sorry, Sam. But, like, Sam said that she gets seasick, and I, I already knew that fact. Abby said that she'd travel anywhere, but she's not particularly fond of a cruise. Emily also gets seasick. I didn't hear anything from Heather, or Kira, or Donald, but then everyone started saying that they would rather go to Disney, and I'm like, damn it! No one wants to go on a cruise with me. You'll have to reach, you'll have to so survey I, another friend group. I know, I gotta need to find a friend that will go on a cruise with me. Just, I just gotta take my small losses here and just go admit to the fact that I'm never gonna probably go on a cruise. What you need to do is give me several Xanax. <laughs> Alright. And um, just park me in the corner of the cruise ship. And I'll fulfill my friendship duties. Well, you know, most of them are island hopping. It's not like you're going out in the middle of the ocean unless you are doing a transatlantic one. Sorry, I still just left my body with the idea of taking a boat in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize this was like a whole thing for me. Um, but we'll be fine. This you requested so this episode! <laughs> and I'm a masochist! What do you want from me? <laughs> okay. I'm gonna actually get into my I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We've distracted ourselves. I've distracted us. <laughs> too much. No, no, we're having fun here. So, growing up, we always hear our parents say, don't go alone, and really hammer in that buddy system thing with us, right? Mm -hmm. As we were just chatting. When we reach adulthood, some of us really stick to that idea, while others rebel within independence street, you know? Now, I'm not saying independence is a bad thing, and if you have the confidence and the street smarts to be able to travel on your own, fucking do it. Hell yeah. As long as you're, you know, being street smart about it. I, on the other hand, 
I need someone holding my hand at all times. I'm so <laughs> nervous. I mean, I can't even really fault this. My mother is so upset that I traveled alone so much in college to just to get back to Jersey. Yeah. She's like, you took a bus? Where? With who? <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, Ma. This is just the way it is. But this case in particular puts in perspective just how dangerous the world can be for a woman traveling alone. Not that we need further proof of that. Nope. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. You got <laughs> you got the creation of the world and you got the world sucks for women. So in the early morning of October 3rd, 1997. My birth year. year. <laughs> insufferable. October 3rd, 1997. A woman's body is fished out of the sea after having been thrown from the cruise ship. Carnival line. Fuck. It's always <laughs> carnival. Um... That was headed back to Brisbane, Australia, its original port, after touring around Tahiti and other parts of, Pol- like, other Polynesian islands. Right? Okay. Our victim was 28-year-old Caitlin Shaw, a Massachusetts native of the small town of Pittsfield, Mass. It's in Western Mass near, like, New York, and I I didn't know where it was because it's not Western Mass. I say, we're, sorry, Western Mass, we're oblivious to you. But it's it's bordering New York. It's, like... Basically New York at that point. Gotcha, gotcha. This was her first vacation outside of her small Massachusetts town, and unfortunately, her last. That makes me so sad, though. Like, she probably, she probably had to, like, psych herself up for it, or, or was so excited to finally do it, mm-hmm. and then it goes tragically And wrong. then it ends in, like, the worst way possible. Oh, literally the worst option. So... Once docked in Brisbane, local authorities were called in to investigate the young woman's death. The ship's captain was hesitant in interviews to consider the death foul play. Okay. He has a reason to push it towards accidental. Right. He initially suggests that the victim must have returned from a late night out on, like, the party section of the boat. I don't know what that's called. The club. The club. (laughs) The boat club. I don't actually know. And hit her head on the ice machine that is located in the exterior hall part of the decks. I wish I could draw you a diagram, but it's like- I'm doing my best to imagine it. It's like, like, there's like, you know how there's like some rooms where there's not like an interior access, but there's like water view, but then there's upper decks where there's like more of like like a walking around deck Mm -hmm. and like hallways that are like, you don't get your own private balcony, but you get like- access to the deck. You know how, like, motels work? Yes. It's like that, but on a boat. (laughs) Okay, so motel-style entrances. Yeah. Okay. And suggested that she hit her head on the ice machine and fell over the railing. Okay. Which, I feel like there is a lawsuit for your railings are too short if a woman who's probably average height can just fall over their railing because she hit her head. Those should be taller. Yes, but I'm sure the our railings are too short Lawsuit is less bad publicity versus the murder law, the murder trial. Oh, right, right. But hypothetically, one might be more expensive. Having to fix your fucking railing, oh. like on your boat, like oh, regulations. That- I feel like the murder might be the easier one. Where it's like <laughs> it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there was like evidence on the back of her head to uh, consistent with her hitting her own head on the ice machine. Okay, by so the way. so blunt so. force trauma to the back of the head. But like it like. Was definitely, like, you know how you, like... So, like, that upward you, motion? You bonked it. Like, it wasn't, like... It was consistent with hitting your own head and not from an assailant, according to the medical examiner. Okay, so. okay. It could support that theory. Yeah. It could it could support that theory. Other things about this uh, don't support that theory, as we'll, we'll get into. Her body was actually only discovered minutes after she fell into the water. 
Okay. So a fellow passenger by the name of Ned Gregson discovered her body, kind of, you know, as, as well as you can by like going, oh my god, someone fell overboard. Right. <laughs> First to see her. That's probably a better way of saying it. His cabin was close enough to the ice maker where, but like close enough where he couldn't hear like a possible struggle, but he did hear the splash of Shaw's body entering the water. Oh, and I imagine that's startling on a cruise. Like you're not Yeah, expecting... like hearing like a really loud splash, like a, a splodoosh. Right, you're like, like, that uh, shouldn't be happening. I don't think I should be hearing a splodoosh or anything. And her body was thrown out at sea at around 2 a.m. Okay. So Gregson saw her body floating in the water further away as the ship continued to move forward. And he called for help like immediately mm-hmm. uh his wife the couple was on their honeymoon great for them reasons, time. reasons why they were awake at 2 a.m <laughs> um phone for help on the room's telephone line gregson did not know that shaw was dead when she hit the water um this coupled with the fact that gregson did not notice or think to look for an assailant was the witness account that informed the captain's initial dismissal of foul play and investigators found no connection motive or evidence that would have tied Gregson or his wife to the murder of Kate Shaw. Okay, so they're pretty immediately cleared. Immediately cleared just good Samaritans who heard the splash Yeah. Caitlin Shaw had died from asphyxiation but not by drowning Oh, Mm -hmm. so are you saying like she was strangled or smothered? Mm -hmm. So there was no water in her lungs that suggested that she was dead before she hit the water, and upon further examination, plastic particulates were found around her mouth, suggesting that Caitlin had been strangled with a plastic bag. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. So, Australian law enforcement proceeded to further investigate the case under the impression that it was definitively foul play at this point. Okay. Um, there were some marks on the door to Caitlin Shaw's cabin. Like, forced entry? Like, attempted forced entry. Oh. It looks like there was an attempted break-in, but with no luck. Shaw's key card was later, like, for her cabin, was actually found later in the ice machine, like it had fallen in. Oh. So, no one would enter her room at that point, because her key was in the ice machine. Yeah. Um, in the attempted forced entry. But her room was found intact. Right, but... and they have no reason to believe that they ever actually got inside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, nothing seemed out of place in her room, and nothing out of the ordinary on first glance. Except for, perhaps, a metal briefcase in the closet. Oh. This is where it gets interesting. Is it spies? No, it's not (laughs) spies. spies. In the briefcase, there were two statues of monkeys that, on first glance, look plaster, but through, like, data analysis and everything, that's just a painted exterior. Underneath... The monkeys were solid gold. Was this smothering? Uh, Not smothering. Smuggling? Smuggling. Yeah. Oh. Each of these monkeys statues weighed about five pounds, so each of them was worth about $95,000 each. Now, this begs the question, what would a small town girl be doing on a cruise line with items worth this much? Right. Like, where did they come from? Why are they here? What was this girl involved in? Right. Because I'm like... If she picked them up on her travels and planned to smuggle them back into the United States, where did she get them? Where did she get them? And also, um, I think having $95,000 worth of gold monkeys and be- good motive for- But also, they didn't get it. They didn't get them. That's so interesting, the idea that- But the attempted break-in kind of proves that. Right, I'm I'm gonna- I'm gonna try it a little harder. Yeah, I'm gonna hold my theories and just see how this plays out. Because right now I'm thinking- they waited for her to leave her room and then killed her, but that doesn't help you get the valuable item. Right, right. 
While looking further into Shaw's now abandoned belongings, Australian investigators found the young woman's tickets and receipts. But the receipts and the tickets were not in Shaw's name. Oh? Oh? (laughs) But they were in the name of Diane Dunfield. Oh. And unfortunately, I I have to break this up real quick. It's not a case about false identity. Oh, I took away that excitement. This is not <laughs> an assumed name of Caitlin Shaw. It is, there is a completely different person called Diane Dunfield. So, who is Diane Dunfield? She was the travel agent in Pittsfield, Mass, who had supplied this trip for Caitlin Shaw. Okay. American FBI agents were brought into the investigation at this point, by the way, because, you know, it's now like, okay, we need to, we need right, to. Right, she's an American citizen. American citizen. Shaw's bank accounts also showed no record of purchase for any of the tickets necessary for this trip. And for a girl who has never left her hometown and the money needed for this trip, like, where the hell did she get it? Like, why was Diane buying these things for her? Right, why is she arranging this trip with seemingly not being paid for her services? <laughs> yeah. So, circling around a little bit. So, Caitlin's only, like, family was her uncle, Raymond Shaw. When investigators told him of his niece's death and subsequently the mysterious monkeys, he said that he was told by Caitlin that she had won an all-expense-paid trip. Oh. Her uncle Ray said that he would have gone with her, but he was diagnosed with colon cancer earlier that year and was not in good health enough to go on this trip. So So sad! But he, like, he encouraged her to go and have fun and to live her life while she was young, not knowing that his encouraging words would bring her to her death. Oh, God. That's gotta be something that you think about all the time. Like... And, like, in, in no way is this his fault, but, like, it's those, like, sliding door moments. It, oh my god, it just, it slices me in fucking half. Yeah. Like. Oh, oh, that's gut-wrenching. Like, she got an all-expense-paid trip, two tickets, didn't know really any, have anyone else to really bring with her, and her uncle, who raised her, couldn't go. Oh my god, that's so upsetting. When asked about the monkeys and any illicit contacts his niece might have known, He had nothing to offer. He stated that Caitlin was a quiet girl who cared more about her garden and her honey business than anything else besides him. Wait, does she sell honey? She sells, like, honey and she's a florist. (laughs) She literally was just living a really quaint life and then, like, never went out and then at 28 got an all-expense paid trip. And died. And died for her troubles. Jeez. Ray had raised her after both of her parents passed away during her childhood, and he stated that a girl like her, whose life had already been filled with such sorrow, and yet turned out to be so kind and caring, should never have met her end like that. Right. Like, I just feel like it's just tragic all the way down. It's like a really miserable cherry on top of a situation, you know? It's like, after everything, and this is how your life ends, like fuck that. Right, she dies, like, alone in a foreign country on what should be a wonderful trip and turned so dark. So circling back to Diane Duffield, the travel agent, during her first interrogation, she first stated that the umbrella company that owns her small travel boutique requires that a free vacation be given to a customer every year for tax reasons for the company. Oh, so that explains why she picked someone. Why she picked someone, right? This was not true. (laughs) As investigators would find. So she's lying. She's lying. Okay. And later Dunfield admitted that this was a smuggling operation gone wrong. Oh. So Diane had heard about the monkeys from online chat rooms. And I had to double check because I was like, remember us watching Halt and Catch Fire? Yes. I was like, how good is the internet in 1997? 
he's fairly good. There are chat rooms. Okay. <laughs> there are chat rooms and forums. <laughs> Just like not what I'm like imagining now. It's probably like the early before version of like a messenger. Yeah. Like it's like in this in between. Like <laughs> I wanted to double check. So I literally watched a video where it was like an advertisement <laughs> on like the internet in ni- the 90s. <laughs> and it was like, an ad- we're going to teach you how to do the internet. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. It's been great research. You know. I just, you know, I gotta go in depth. Oh, yeah. Um, so she found out about the the statues through these online chat rooms about buying stolen artifacts and other illicit goods. She had never done this before. Oh, so she's dipping her toes into this. She's dipping Wait, her toes into this. Why is she this. in these chat rooms then? Because she was curious. She was, like, trying to get rich quick, you know? She's just ah. a small town travel agent. So she found a contact for these Tahitian monkeys, but... Decided that it would be too risky for her to go herself. Okay. So instead of hire someone or have to let someone in on the $200,000 prize, she decided to just give away an all-expense-paid vacation. Which, like, you're getting to $100,000 and this is probably costing you about, like, oh, a few thousand dollars to right, buy a this sort of vacation. The profit's gonna outweigh. My thing is, how spent. do you get your seemingly unknowing client to bring this back? Well... They, they didn't know. Well, remember how I said that the they were covered like in paint? Like you know how yeah, like yeah, Greek yeah. statues used to be covered in paint, and then they were like oh that yeah, yeah, away? yeah, it was like that. Right, like they're it, disguised. They're just disguised. Um, and Diane's contact had like Diane like tell uh, Caitlin Shaw that these were just sentimental heirlooms being picked up. Like you get this all expense vacation, just pick this up from my cousin. Okay, <laughs> seems innocent enough <laughs> seems for an all expense paid innocent enough. vacation. From, and you know. From her perspective. Like, I guess the small town girl was like, yeah, like, that's fine. Always read the fine print, I guess, babies. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure she's like, I have to do one thing for you, and but I get this trip for free. Like, it seems completely... It seems... It's too good to be it's true. It's too good to be true, and it's because it was. So, Dunfield insisted that Shaw was ignorant of the value of the statues and had no idea if these monkeys, like, were the motive, that who could have killed Caitlin Shaw. Right, who, if they're the motive, who knows about them? So, investigators were trying to, like, look into, like, the IP addresses of anyone else in those chat rooms and stuff, like, where Duffield was, like, negotiating, like, contracts and, like, for the smuggling sort of thing, but to no avail. No dice. Oh, nothing comes up. Nothing. I imagine they're pretty elusive. Uh, yeah. So, nothing comes up. And from these, like, black market forums that Diane had been surfing. Because, like, Diane literally has no idea who else could have known about these. And, like, there's so many people that could, but, like, has no idea who... But again, like, the monkeys are now in possession of, like, the cruise ship, like, lost and found. <laughs> like... Oh, yeah, because if they're gonna be stolen back in, aren't they, like, stolen goods? Yeah, so they're kind of just now, like, in limbo. Well, the jig is up. The jig is up. Dunfield is not getting them and Caitlin Shaw is dead and the person who killed Shaw pathetically for them didn't get them and the trail went cold <laughs> like the investigators were not able to find the like person through those chat rooms who did this so it Wait, remains so for how long cold it's cold oh it's unsolved it's unsolved oh that's- it's unsolved um, Caitlin Shaw's uncle Raymond put out a $50,000 reward for her killer because investigators failed. But unfortunately, he did not live to see justice done and he passed away in 2000 due to complications and never found out his niece's killer. And neither did we. Way to just push me <laughs> up the emotional cliff. I literally- I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> I had you hanging on the edge of your seat. I literally thought this one had a... I was... As happy an ending as you can I, with murder? I thought it had a conclusion. I thought they were going to find out who did this. No, no. So she... So what we affirmatively know is that her travel agent told her to Rigged pick her up... in a in a smuggling operation. Right. And... Made her an unknowing participant in a smuggling operation. Someone tried to break into her room. Couldn't. They could have killed her. Her keycard fell into the ice machine by accident. When they realized they couldn't get it off her body, they tried to break into the room and were unsuccessful. And they were just never... So they couldn't have been, they could have been anyone. It could have been any other passengers. Could, could have been any of the staff. Could have been literally Could have been someone who ship. just slipped on at the last port. Yep. Jesus. Like, the, the trail went cold. There are so many, like, little options and avenues that they could go down. It just was, like, there was too many. Because I guess what it really is, is they never got into the room. So it's not like you could find someone later in possession of the monkeys because they never got to them. They never got to them. That's so, it just... The mystery for a moment was still there on like, what was this girl doing with these $200,000 worth items? Oh, I'm sure it became a massive like, mystery, like you said, until they tracked down the origin. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I know we, we don't try to like, make murders inherently more tragic than others, but it's also like, it just feels so senseless considering you can assume the motivation was greed for these priceless items and then they didn't even get them. Yep. So she, she died for nothing. Yep. Oh my god, that's awful. Mixed with the whole Tried. first time out, this is supposed to be like a free vacation? Yeah, sign me up. Her uncle, who is her only, who raised her, who is her only family. This is unbelievably tragic, Catherine. Why would you do this? I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, so case number two, honeymoon, honey hell. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Ah, the honeymoon. What a romantic, dreamy time to relax in love's embrace after all of the stressful months of planning a wedding, right? Yes. You deserve it. And what's a better, more luxurious honeymoon idea than a week-long cruise along the Mexican coast? Oh, that does sound nice. Uh-huh. At least it would be if you lived to be able to reminisce about it. Live to tell the tale. Live to tell the tale. Unfortunately for Carrie Ann Mills, what should have been a vacation full of marital bliss ended as a marital nightmare. Oh, no. So, on the afternoon of Saturday, February 13, 1988, at 3pm, the U.S. Coast Guard 22 miles off the coast of San Diego, California, retrieved body of Carrie Ann Mills from the sea after having been reported missing to Stardancer cruise ship authorities. She had gone missing at around 3 a.m. that morning, Oh, and this was reported by her husband, Ross Whitaker. Okay. As I said, the couple was on their honeymoon. Having only met eight months before this, uh, they claimed it was love at first sight. Sorry, eight months? Eight months. That they met. They met. Not they've been engaged for eight months, not they've been dating for eight months, they met. met. They met. Eight months. Eight months. Ago. Very quick. Okay, moving on. Moving on. They say it was love at first sight. Ross was a chiropractor who met his wife, Carrie Ann, after falling down some stairs. <laughs> Wait, he's a chiropractor and he's, he fell downstairs. He's a chiropractor and he fell down some stairs and she was a physical therapist who helped him during his recovery. Listen, I always say the husband did it, so I'm not going to try and like him too much, but that is a very cute meet cute. <laughs> It would be. It would be. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The couple shared a love of physical activity, and Carrie Ann in particular was a very active woman who did 10-mile walks every single day and was a strong swimmer. Okay. When her body was fished from the sea, they noted air pockets in her clothing, and these air pockets determined that she was dead when she hit the water. 
because oh. if she was able to like move around, those air bubbles would stop. But like, if oh, they, they would have like dispersed. Yeah, the, the, uh, they would have popped and moved and everything if you're actively swimming. But like, if you're just tossed in the water, those pockets of air from just the buoyancy and just being in one position oh. prove that she was dead before she hit the water. Gotcha. Okay. And since she was a strong swimmer, right? She would have. She would have swam. She would have absolutely if she was tried to swim or, yes. or conscious. So, Ross had reported his wife missing at 3 a.m., and her body was not found until 12 hours later, when Ross went to the ship's authorities to report his wife as missing. He first suggested that she must have fallen overboard due to strong winds on the deck. Oh, was she, like, a slight person? So, yeah, I mean, they were really physically active. She was a girl on, like, 5'3". Okay, so, two. okay. That's, 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 um, that's an option. There also was a jogging track on the deck of the ship, and the couple both preferred to use it late at night, so it was less crowded. Okay. So, when his wife did not return to, like, their room at, like, around 2.30, that's when Ross began to get worried and decided to report that she was missing. Okay. You know, you're on a boat. Anything could happen. <laughs> right. They're, like, you know. little floating cities, depending on the size. Right. So, investigators were skeptical of this theory, as there were no reports of strong winds for that night. So uh, you lied about the weather, like, a very trackable thing? <laughs> like, there were no winds above, like, five miles per hour. Yeah, those aren't strong. That little bit of wind would not have the strength to knock someone over, like, the three and a half foot railings. Right, to, like, just sweep someone away. And also, her body showed signs of a struggle. Like, there was hemorrhaging in her eyes, and the bones in her neck were cracked. That suggested, like, a manual strangulation. <sighs> And then that would work if she was already dead when she hit the water. Yep, yep, it would, that would track. That would track indeed. Oh, I hate that. Mm-hmm. So, investigators also interviewed other passengers that may have witnessed the couple prior to Carrie Ann's death. Many witnesses testified that there was trouble in paradise. <laughs> Literally. The couple seemed to be constantly arguing. A passenger reported that he witnessed Ross berating his wife for her sweet tooth at dinner. As well- Sir! I know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the- oh. You just got married and you're giving her fucking shit for eating fucking cake? And also, not knowing what were utensil to use at dinner. Like the, like the, what special fancy dancy fork to use. I'm sorry, what silver platter did he fucking fall off of? Right? Like, I'm so fucking sorry, but shut the fuck off. Jesus. Um, it was also not uncommon to see the couple get physical. Like, you're doing this out in the open, okay? Like, clearly no one was worried about how this would look if something were to happen. Mm-hmm. So, when Ross was interrogated by investigators the first time, he had these pear-shaped cuts on his face, which he attributed to stumbling and hitting his face on a gangway control box. Okay. But agents would find no blood, hair, or marks on the gangway control box that would make that those shapes on him pear shape pear shape and no protrusion that would match the injuries as well as like nothing like on the box that would suggest like a person fell into it you know yeah it's seeming pretty unlikely that he got them this way but you know what did match the injuries was it her engagement ring it was totally carrion's diamond ring a pear cut diamond oh So, they're either getting in such bad fights that she's swinging at him or she's fighting for her life. As the holes in his initial lie begin to fall apart, Ross admits to something absolutely wild to investigators. An affair? No. He admits to being a target of the Israeli government. What? 
So, is he sorry? Is he not trying to imply that a hitman person came out and took out his wife from the Israeli government? Wait, is this one that, spies? Okay. okay. <laughs> so back in 1979, so this is 88. So this okay, is 88. We're going back to 79. Almost a decade. Ross and his parents moved to Israel temporarily from the United States. Okay, this is where Ross had opened up an unlicensed chiropractic clinic. So that's a choice. And also in 79, Ross states that he was falsely arrested for burglary and spent two months in a mental hospital where he claimed he was beaten and drugged all for refusing to marry a neighbor's daughter. Okay. In 1987, Ross published a book that was an expose on the cruelties and injustices of the Israeli government. So wait, so our story takes place in 88 and he just published this in 87? Yes. He published this book that was like, like, so he was like, like falsely arrested and like put into a mental institution for not marrying someone's daughter. Right. So and, and treated so, incredibly and treated cruelly. incredibly cruelty. And so he writes an expose on his experiences and how corrupt the Israeli government is. Okay. At the time. Ross uh, relents and suggests that his wife must have been taken and killed by Israeli agents as revenge for his book. And he, like, he was drugged and framed, which is why he couldn't attest to his whereabouts until he was reporting her missing. And he didn't want to admit to all of that scandal because it would sound unbelievable. So he just went with, she must have fallen overboard. But it does sound unbelievable. (laughs) But it does sound unbelievable. After the book was published and Ross and his family moved back to the States, Ross was reportedly almost kidnapped by Israeli agents outside of a shopping mall in Florida. Oh! Um, his parents were the ones to file the police report. He managed to escape being okay. kidnapped. So if they look into it, there are records of this? Yeah, there are records of okay. this. Okay. Flash forward to now, and there just so happens to be two Israeli men who are also aboard this cruise ship that could fit Ross's unbelievable story. Oh. Are these <laughs> poor men gonna get dragged in just being from Israel. Pretty much. Jesus. (laughs) So, as it would turn out, so the authorities go and investigate this line of inquiry wherein, like, these poor, like, Israeli guys who are just there enjoying a vacation are thrust into this now murder investigation. Uh, And, like, I kind of get it that, like, you have a witness who's put forth the story, you as the investigators, it's your job to chase down leads. But I'm like, this, uh, it just puts a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? So, they go through this line of inquiry and everything, and, like, it just, it just is, like, fucking totally, like, unbelievable. Okay, you're gonna say it's the Israeli, like, hitmen? Israeli hitmen? That's well, the story we're going with? Well, it turns out these two Israeli men who just so happened to be on the same cruise that fit this bill, one of them was just a wedding photographer, and the other is just his, like, friend, his travel companion, and they had just been trying to maximize their vacation time over in the United States because they were just photographing a friend's wedding, and they just were, like, coming from Disneyland and Universal, and they were ending their trip with this, like, week-long cruise. So they're just, like, being, like back to we're having the time of our life over in the States. And we're being racially profiled now. <laughs> and some asshole said, the Israeli government is after me. Why don't you check those guys? Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, yeah. So they were just trying to maximize their vacation time. Needless to say, investigators did not buy this Israeli mafia kidnapped and killed my wife theory. Ross Whitaker was arrested for the murder of his wife, Carrie Ann Mills. That, that tracks better for me. <laughs> that, that tracks that better. That actually kind of um, makes sense. 
They were like, yeah, no, um, you got those pear-shaped cuts on your face, and also there were chips of the paint from the jogging track. The same, like, paint or that turf was also caught in, like, her hair, so she was definitely strangled on the ground on that mat. And, and fought for her life because he has the marks from her ring yep. that he gave her. And so he was arrested for the murder of his wife and found guilty on the charge of second degree murder and sentenced to 33 years. And this would be in an American court because they're American both Americans and it's American first yes. Okay, okay. Jeez. That one went by quick. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jesus, what did her family fucking think? I didn't write this down for some stupid reason, but her family was skeptical about, like, the beginning. If it is an eight months from meeting to honeymoon, I'm sorry, it feels so fast. They were like, this guy is too good to be true, and we think it. <laughs> like, like, wait, wait, and then do they, like, do they talk about his motivation? Like, was he just psychotic from the beginning? Did, did they just fight so much on this cruise that he just snapped? And he yeah. just, they just got into such a bad fight where he was holding resentment over whatever. But, like, also... Like, consider the fact that, like, he's claiming that, like, mental institution and, like, burglary thing is, like, false. But, like, you were probably put into a mental institution for a reason. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, like, despite how much you don't like your daughter's or your sister's, like, husband, to have her not come back from her honeymoon by his hands is horrific. And, like, her parents You probably never expect that. Like, you were like, listen, I don't like them, but they're going on the honeymoon. They'll probably have a great time. We'll keep an eye on this when they come back mm-hmm. and she doesn't come back and she does not come back yikes i like like the fact that her parents like mistrusted him from the beginning like they were like okay but like he seems too good to be true and that's right. what they kept like saying. and i think like when you have the situation where it's this whirlwind romance and they seem too good to be true i'm like at the very least hiding all their flaws from you like at the very least they are not being honest and forthcoming with you mm-hmm. and you're gonna find some stuff out later that you probably weren't prepared for and at the worst, they are hiding deep, dark, scary shit from you. Ugh, it's just... Either it's, like, so purposefully manipulative and they have sinister intentions, or they just are putting on such a front, because no one appears that perfect. It's just it's just not the case. Like, it just it just gives me the absolute heebie-jeebies. I hate of, like, that. that like, it's, like, it, rem- it, like, reminds me of, like, you know how, like, you know, like, like, how, like, Bundy was so squeaky. Ah, uh, yes. And... Yet there's, like, the sinister lying underneath. It's like, what is this? What, like, what really was this guy's fucking motivation? I really don't, I don't know. Right, yeah, it's that thing where it's like, if you spend just enough time with someone, and they, like, it's like, they they drop their mask just enough, you realize there's this whole other side. Yeah. Oh, like, if they're fighting this whole honeymoon, like, I don't know how she felt leading up. I imagine she must have felt fine enough to go through with the marriage. But you're trapped on this cruise. Like, it's not like you can just walk away. Yep. That's another reason why I don't like cruises. <laughs> I'm like, it must, you must feel trapped. Like, if suddenly you realize you're not there with the right person, or you're, don't feel safe, or you don't feel good, or you have a medical emergency, you have to get off at port and fly home. Yep. Like, travel that, insurance. It's also like, that's not a decision you get to make lightly. It's not yeah. like you're at home and you say, I'm just, I'm just going to go to my mom's. Or, like, even if you're on, like, a vacation on land, at least you're easier access to, like, Right, you could be, like, I'm taking an Uber to the airport. And I'm getting the fuck out of here. Right. Alright, well, I guess it's that portion of the night where I make decisions. Well, now it's time for you to tell me which case was the true crime and which one was the tall tale. Hey, all 
go to our Instagram at True Crime or Tall Tale Podcast and comment on this episode's post. Tell us which case you think is the true crime and which one is the tall tale. Then tune back in to see if you were right. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Both of these have that unbelievable aspect, the bit of the unsolvedness of it all. And then it also has the the unknown. Like the first one feels so unbelievable because of the setup, the whole smuggling operation, the whole being tricked by your travel agent. And I'm inclined to lean more towards that one because it is unsolved. And I'm trying to think of a piece of media where you would just like be able to just chop off the ending where they solve it. Like if the first one's a crime show or a movie, I'm assuming the show or the piece of media would give it an ending, would give it a resolution. So I'm like, I'm more inclined to say that one's true because it's unsolved. But also parts of it are so unbelievable. But there's a lot of humanness to it too. Like the whole bit about Uncle Ray not being able to go with her feels very documentary. Feels very much like he sat down to be interviewed and said these are all the tragic things that led up to her death and we're still dealing with that. But then also the second one. The second one there seems to not be much of a motive either besides like you know the crime of passion. He's just too unhinged and got mad and lost it. Okay, so we've got 97 and 88 are our years. We have a woman traveling alone who is seemingly killed for valuables she's unknowingly smuggling. And then we have a couple on their honeymoon where the husband kills his new wife, seemingly during a fight. He has some unbelievable story about Israel. Jesus. I have my instinct, which is the first one is true. But then if I break down each detail, I'm like, would a fictional piece of media come up with the whole Israel hitman? Or is it more like that the piece of media came up with unknown smuggling? Ah! Somehow this would be easier if they were both unsolved. (laughs) (laughs) It's really the unsolved part that's getting me. I'm like, because now I'm overthinking it. I'm like, all right, well, if that is fictional and she cut it in half to make it unsolved, make it sound more true. You're like really deep diving. I know, but for I'm... the sake of brevity, you could just go with that gut feeling. <laughs> I know, I'm spiraling. The, the audience is witnessing me spiral. <laughs> Can I do my reveal yet or not? Oh, sorry. God. Sorry. Alright, it's like a Scantron test. Go with your first instinct. I'm gonna say that the first case is our true crime, and the second case is our tall tale. Alright. You were wrong! No! <laughs> I tricked you! Okay, okay, okay. Tell me everything. So, case number two was real. Okay. So, case number two was the murder of Karen Waltz by her husband, Scott Roston. Okay. Most of the details I kept more or less intact, but this case was wild. Because this man literally, like, I kept the order of things. I considered changing the order, going the wild outlandish, and then going, my wife fell overboard thing. But it was kind of wild on how he went literally from... She must have fallen overboard because of the wind to I was with her to no, I wasn't to Israeli men kidnapped and murdered her. And he really as did, the, had lived as the, in Israel before. Yes, he did. Okay. He did. There, Like, he did live in Israel before, and, like, it's just, it's just, he literally went from saying he was with his wife, she was blown off the boat, to I wasn't with her, to it must have been the Israeli government. And he literally brought the Israeli assassin theory to trial. Like, that is the hill. That was his defense. That is the hill he chose to die on. Oh, my God. 
Like, his, it, like, he chose to go with the most unbelievable story in trial. His defense attorney even said, and I quote, it may at first blush appear impossible, contrived, and unbelievable, and asked the jury to believe that these things happen in the world of international intrigue. You say that as if he's a fucking diplomat. Like, and also, in trial, the defense's case had no legs to stand on. They didn't even rebuke the solid evidence that the prosecution had against Rostin, nor witness testimony. They literally, the only thing they had was, yeah, there was two Israeli guys on this cruise. Isn't that enough for reasonable doubt? They were cleared by the police. <laughs> like, they were cleared by the police. And they were, literally, oh, I have their names in my fucking physical notebook and I didn't write them in here, but I think one of them was named Emil. I have links to the articles that I used in the, the court documents that have the, the guys' uh, names. I'm just a terrible researcher. <laughs> but they were a wedding photographer who literally, they had just been doing exactly what I said. Like, they oh had God. no involvement. Like, they were abroad to photograph a friend's wedding and then said, we already took the time off, let's vacay. Let's vacation. But you know what? <laughs> The jury didn't buy any of it, and Thank he God. was charged with second-degree murder and charged for 33 years. And yes, all of the things about, like, Israel, like, like all of that experience and everything that he had was true. Um, when he was almost kidnapped in Florida, quote-unquote, he apparently shot one of the assailants with his gun that he started keeping on him after he released this book. And the book is real. Oh, God. And I'm not advertising this. I won't even, I won't even say the name. You can do your own research, but, like, don't, because this guy got released in 2017. I don't know if he's gonna make money if you buy the fucking book, so oh. don't. Please. Because <laughs> he was, what, probably sentenced in 89? He, I think the trial was, like, in the 90s. Okay, okay. Probably took a few years to go to trial. Um, but we don't need him making money off this book. But when I looked up his name, it brought me the link to Amazon. You can buy his fucking uh, book on Amazon about the Israeli government. It's like corruption. Corruption. And I think that's absolutely wild. Did they like say why they were only charging him with second degree and not first degree? I didn't find anything that explained that. I always get a little confused. And I'm I kind thinking of just it's just on. that they probably couldn't prove... Um, like, premeditation. Yeah, premeditation or malice of forethought. Like, you yeah. could prove that there's a pattern of violence like between them, violence, but you couldn't necessarily you can... prove that, like... He was planning. This. He was planning to get rid of her beyond... Yeah, In the he moment. Was, probably wasn't planning on it. He probably was just a volatile person when faced with someone who made him angry for any reason. Right. And decided he would just strangle her instead. Right. Exactly. So this case was pretty fascinating and also very, very tragic. I also, I thank you for doing my request. And I've heard several, um, like, honeymoon disaster cases before. I've never heard this one. Yeah, this one, I, so upon researching for trying to find my, like, real case, I was using, like, this resource and I'm going to go into my little nightmare real quick. Yes. I'll try and keep it brief because I literally went through psychosis trying to, with this. So, so there's this uh, TV show called Cruise Ship Killers. Okay. And it does, like, a dramatization. You know you know how I love the show A Haunting, where it changes the name and is just a reenactment sort of thing? Yes. It's the same thing, but about cruise ship murders. And this website was going through all of those episodes and telling you the, the cases that those were based off of. Okay. And I think this was on that list, but piggyback from there, because I kind of was caught in the... I got lost in the sauce because I focused on one case that I was going to originally use as my true crime. So, tell me if this name rings a bell. 
Isabel? Charles A. Fink. No. Fuck. <laughs> because I literally, like, remember reading, like, oh, this episode that's called blah 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 is based off of Charles Fink, where this wealthy man, it's like 1903, so it's a historical murder, mm-hmm. my favorite. So I'm quite certain. So it was like 1903, it was a wealthy man who gave all of his like money to like the, the ship's purser. It was traveling from Norway to the United States. It was a wealthy man trying to start a new life, oh, right? Wow. And he gives it to the purser and like a servant or something, like he ends up dead and it's unsolved. But it's oh. like the money goes missing. And I'm like, I feel like I've witnessed something of this media and it wasn't the episode of this cruise ship killers thing because it wasn't reenacting it in 1903 you know uh the episode was like super modern and like i was like okay so it's not this media that i found this at and i was like okay why do i remember the name charles a fink like that sounds like something that i heard like ryan bagara on like buzzfeed unsolved (laughs) say or something and i was like yeah like i could hear like the tonality of like ryan bagara so i'm like Charles A. Fink. Like, I was, like, quite certain that I heard some media on it. And yet, whenever I Google search, I couldn't find anything. Like, I literally would search this guy's name and it would be, like, born in 1903, Ohio. And, it, like, I could search the ship's name. Could find no record with the ship's name. The one thing that I found that mentioned this was a podcast. And I can't remember the name of it right now. But it's a podcast that I have never listened to. And I think they just mentioned it. I never even listened to the, the thing because I had to give up for my own sanity and find a new case. But I was just like... I I never listened to this podcast and I looked in their like show notes to see if I could find an article to read and I found one where it was an extant article from 1903 and it was literally like four paragraphs long and I was like how did they make a whole episode out of this because like if it's based off true crimes which all of the other episodes are I fucking I, I even brought a hinge date onto like this thing like I matched with a person on hinge and told them of my woes and then they also started researching <laughs> they were also like I found nothing and I'm like I know there is nothing but they were also like they were like oh my god like there there was nothing <laughs> like they they double checked all of the other like that list that I mentioned yeah of the show episodes based and with the true crimes that each episode was adjacent to right All of the other ones tracked and were able to be researchable. The Charles A. Fink case was the only one where there was slim pickings to none for information. And I literally was going through Morbid's discography. I was going through, I was looking through every played episode of freaking BuzzFeed Unsolved because I was so convinced that I I, I had heard media on this case before. And I'm having extreme Mandela effect and it's really traumatizing. And I'm going to just end that here before I go into psychosis again. Do you want to hear about what my tall tale is based off of? Yes, absolutely. I will say if anyone listening knows anything else about that Charles Fink case, DM us. Please help my sanity. It like hurt. Like I literally was like, like that meme where it's that guy like with like the the, the map red. and the red string. <laughs> that was me being like, I could, I am certain of my memory and it is gone. I'm like living in a different reality. <laughs> but I I'm so sorry. I mean to be sympathetic for your woes. It, like, I, anyway. Anyway, the tall tale the that tall tale. threw me for a loop. It did. I am really happy that this threw you for a loop. Case one was based off the pilot episode of Pushing Daisies. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> So wait, never mind. Just t- just tell me. Wait, what? Tell me. I was just, I was like I've never watched Pushing Daisies. Oh, you've never watched Pushing Daisies? Oh my god! So let me tell you. I thought it's so up your alley. I'll show Here's you the pilot. The thing, I feel like I've seen it because you've talked about it so much. I'm like, wait, 
Isn't there supernatural elements? Yes, I cut out all of the supernatural elements. Okay, so if any of you guys are lamos who have never watched Pushing Daisies, um, I love it. <laughs> it's a great show. It aired in 2007, so I changed 2007 to 1997. Makes um, sense. Its first air date was October 3rd, so I still have a date from that. So Pushing Daisies is this... It's rated PG, so it's like a really kind of quaint uh, crime show, quote unquote. <laughs> Basically, the premise is that there is this really sweet nerdy guy who's played by my favorite actor of all time, Lee Pace. Oh yeah, girly, love him. <laughs> love him so much! <laughs> you may have heard us mention Halt and Catch Fire earlier. That's that is, the only reason I watch that show. That is another reason why I love that show. Also, <laughs> the fact that I mentioned Lee Pace during my Lee Pace-based case. I can't with you. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that show is starring Lee Pace. It came out in 2007, and it's a very whimsical take on a crime show. You haven't seen the movie um, Big Fish, but it's like, it kind of gives off the same vibes of whimsical, bright, like Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton. Like, there's creepy elements, but there's whimsy. Okay. I love it. It is an absolute delight of a show. Side note, it was canceled after only two seasons, but not due to it not wanting to have more seasons or anything. It was actually canceled due to... Its cancellation was attributed to the 2007 through 2008 Hollywood writer's strike, which we are currently in a writer's strike again. And all I'm saying is fucking pay these guys a living wage and don't let any more art get lost like this show did. Because what I wouldn't give to have this show resumed, like, I know it's been like 15 years, but I could suspend my disbelief. If you, like, pretended that the show was just picking up where it left off. Would you want to pick back up in 2008? Yes! (laughs) Like, I would. There was so much whimsy that's kind of, like, connected to that, like, time. And I'm like, I could just suspend my disbelief for the actors' ages and everything. Just continue the show. Like, someone pick it up. It is my favorite. It is a comfort He's just, like, literally it's a crime-solving show wherein our main character is the sweetest as pie pie maker who can bring back the dead with a touch. So they're touching people, bringing them back to life. And being like, who killed you? And being like, who killed you? So I cut out literally all of those elements. (laughs) Wait, so I have a question. So in this episode, they do find out who kills her, right? Yes, even though it's not, like, a named person. It's, like, an unnamed assailant. Okay. Like, they literally... Skip this if you don't want spoilers, I guess. Uh, but the show was from 2007, so. I think um, once you hit the 10-year mark, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. So basically, the show, it follows, like, this pie maker who is, because of him being basically what amounts to as a unwilling necromancer, <laughs> a private investigator engages his help so that they can get rich quick by solving as many cases privately for profit. I should watch this. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I will show you the first episode tonight. And so they, they're solving murders, and then there's this murder that happens, and it's a girl that oh, Lee Pace's character, Ned, knows his childhood crush. Oh my god, his childhood best friend! And so she's dead! That's who Caitlin Shaw was. And oh. so she is entangled in this, like, smuggling operation and didn't know. And instead of it being an uncle, it's two single, like, aunts. Like, two duo aunts who uh. raised her after her dad died. Instead of the monkeys being in her room, they were actually just put into, like, Lost and Found. And the belongings were shipped back to her family. So they had to, like, catch the murderer of... Her name is Charlotte Charles, but she goes by Chuck, which is so cute. Ooh. 
They had to, like, get there before the person who was trying to steal those monkeys killed her aunts. Oh, so, this is high stakes. Wait, so was she really in Australia when she was killed? Uh, she was she was going from Tahiti, but it said that the, the ship... Like, I literally was pausing and listening to the fake news broadcast <laughs> within the show and, like, writing down the information. I love that. But, like, it was like the ship was going back to the United States from Tahiti, and I guess I could have stuck with that because Tahiti is kind of equidistant from Brisbane, Australia to Hawaii, but I'm like, why would you go to Hawaii then, I guess, get back to the United States? Also, when I said she was from Pittsfield, Mass., <laughs> They actually filmed in, you know, like, Hollywood, like, California. A lot of the staging is CGI because, again, everything's very whimsy. Uh-huh. But they use, the, the zip code that they use for the fictional town of Coeur de Coeur is 01251, which is the Pittsfield Mass area code. Oh, how fun! <laughs> I love so, that! I fucking love this show, and, again, I would fucking do anything for it to just be resumed, same cast, pretend like nothing happened, right, and there, right. there isn't a 15-year gap. Right to Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu. Also, he has a dog. I, you talked about the dog before, and he can't touch the dog, right? He can't touch the dog, because he resurrected his dog, and it's a really red golden retriever, just like how I used to have. And Anyway, that's, that's all I have for you. I'm not even mad. Like... <laughs> Pardon me thinking about it, I'm like, yes, the whole smuggling thing was very, like, fictional, but then again, I thought the Israeli thing was very fictional. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty happy with, like, how outlandish the, my true crime, like, Those always was. feel good. I mean, only in so our that, job. But <laughs> only in our job, where we're tricking each other and our audience. We're horrible. Remember, how you tell a story matters, guys. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but... We talk about this all the time. Don't know how much of it has made onto the air, but like, we enjoy pushing that boundary of like, what do you consider to be believable? Yeah. Anyway, guys, this has been True Crime or Tall Tale. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got thoroughly comfy to get uncomfy with us today. This is Jack and Kat. We hope you listen again. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.